So Lord, thank you for this amazing opportunity to share what you have done in my life. I pray that it would encourage many people here, Lord, that you would, yeah, just touch people's hearts and encourage them about their own personal lives, their personal walk, what you're doing in them and their friends and their family, Lord, and I thank you that you are in control. I feel like that's a word for somebody here today, that God is in control. Okay, is that better? All right. So so that's my name. Um, (laughs) Let's just move on from that. Um, So this is my lovely wife, for those who don't know. Married seven years. Going to keep going, don't worry about that. Um, So yeah, uh, we briefly shared on that at Cafe Church, but um, it's a cool whole story of how we met. Do it again. All right. So, well, I was a staff member at YWAM. Hands up who know YWAM. Yeah, I was at YWAM in Northland. And I was 29 when I got there. We'll get to that later. But um, I'd been a staff for about a year, year and a half, something like that. And this lovely lady comes in as a student. Staff student's a bit of a no-no. So... uh, So, um, yeah. Anyway, staff training before every, all the school, the next school comes in, they, get, they put together packets of all of the students that are coming. And you can, um, they get, you get a picture and a little brief bit about them that they've written in their application form. So that you can, I don't know, all the staff can pick up the packets and go through it and pray for them, get words for them, pictures for them. We write it all down and we put it all in the welcome packs for them. And it's really cool. But this one, I, um, I sat back and I let everybody else go up and get all the packets and I went up and got the last one. And it was Heidi. And it hit me like a ton of bricks instantly. And I was like, oof. Because I was just at the stage where I was like, Lord, I'm happy if you want me to be single forever. I'm putting it down. I'm here for you. I just want you, Lord. I'm after you. Let's do it. And then it was about two weeks later, staff training, and that hit me. I knew that that was going to be a really fun school, trying to (laughs) not action that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so Heidi had something sort of similar. She was in the van on the way up from, because they picked them up in Auckland, and it's a two-hour drive up to the base in the middle of nowhere, out in the Watts in Northland. And Heidi was in the van, and she was praying with God, and she was just saying, Lord, pretty much what I was praying, Lord, I'm here for you. I'm laying down everything. I just want to focus on you. This time is for you. And I'm, she, she said the same thing. I'm happy if you want me single. And she got a picture instantly of a patch of grass and there some people standing on it. Felt like the Lord said, your future husband is standing on that grass. She's like, no. <laughs> and she was, she was serious about the no. Sorry, I just need a drink. She was very serious about the no. She was like, no, Lord, I want this time to be about you. And... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> she t- pulled up on the patch of grass, and there I was, and the first thing she saw me do was a hucker. 
And uh, so that didn't scare her away. And yeah, um, we had a very difficult school of both of us knowing but not knowing. And I prayed about it so hard. At, one, at YWAM, you get a one-on-one. -on -one, so it's like a person that's allocated directly to you that you can process with. Your your all of the lectures and the spiritual stuff and the emotional things like YWAM is quite an intense three months of everything. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I prayed about it so hard. I was talking to several speakers and all of the staff. Her one on one before I actually came to her and I said, Lord, um, not Lord, Heidi. <laughs> I said, Heidi, I want, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something along the lines of, Lord, I want you to be able to focus on God. And I've noticed, and I know from your one-on-one, -on -one, she told me, that you have feelings for me. And I just want you to know that I feel the same, and I'm telling you this because I want you to lay it down and focus on God for your time here at YWAM. And if this is going to grow into something, we can figure that out later. <laughs> and after that, it was great. No, I'm kidding. It was, it was rough. <laughs> but she felt so honored from that and empowered and was able to lay it down and focus on God. Yes, there was obviously some, some slip-ups where it's like, we know we like each other and <laughs> new, new love type thing. <laughs> and yeah, but... So yeah, um, end of her DTS, or discipleship training school. Uh, we started dating and she went home for six months. I came here for six months and I built a few houses because I'm, I'm a builder or was a builder, I was still qualified, so I guess I still am. But um, yeah, she's from Switzerland, and she's a nurse in Switzerland. She, she went home to work, I came here to work, six months long distance, and then we came back to staff at YWAM. And I asked her to marry, asked her to marry me on the day that she came back. I actually surprised her. I've got a video which I can show later if some, anybody wants to watch it, it's quite funny. Um, yeah, so we got married. Uh, had these three beautiful children. Um, that's Leah. No, I'm sorry. Uh, here we go. We've got, we've got the youngest, Liam, Ashton, and Kate. Um, they are currently three, four, and five. Uh, next week, Kate turns six. So, yeah, fun, fun times in life. Yeah, I can't remember what the next photos are. Oh, so there's me. Um, that one there, if you can't tell. <laughs> I thought I'd put up some embarrassing photos. It makes it just a bit more fun. Um, so these, uh, this is the family I grew up with. So these are actually my adopted parents. So um, I was adopted at birth from day one from a lovely lady who, yes, I have met. But these... This is the family I grew up with. Dad, um, I don't know if you recognize his face, anybody who knows anything about Christian radio. His name's Dudley. <laughs> um, 
Dudley Scannelbury from Rima. Yeah. He used to be the... Um, yeah, quite. He used to be the in charge of the whole thing, like, yeah, managing director or something. Um, but he just recently retired. Please pray for him. Um, he's just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, so please, please pray for him. Um, yeah, and um, so they couldn't have kids of their own, so they adopted us three. Uh, it's my brother Matt, Matthew, and Jody. Um, <laughs> they all need prayer. <laughs> Um, mum, dad, and me are going on for the Lord. The other two, still praying for them. So, yeah. So I was adopted into this family. Oh, there's just another cheeky photo of me. Um, so this is my birth parents, who I actually got to meet when I was 17 years old. Um, Rachel and Glenn. That woman... I'm going to cry. Sorry. Uh, that woman is the most incredible woman you'll ever meet. At 16 years old, she got pregnant with me. They had were dating, but they had broken up before she found out. And he tried to do the right thing and said, do you want to get married? And she said, no, I don't think we are right. And that was the right call. And she chose to put me up for adoption. Despite everybody, including her parents, telling her to take the other route. She stayed strong, and she carried me while at school and brought me into this world. And she is one strong, powerful woman. She was, before she got pregnant, she was actually um, singing at the church. She was one of, the, one of the musicians and singers. They asked her to step down for obvious reasons. Amazing, amazing woman. So I'm very thankful for her. <laughs> so here's another incredible story. Sorry, I'll just go back one. My dad, Glenn. That's his mother. Now, just to show you how much of a miracle this picture is, my dad, Glenn, was also adopted. And that's his birth mother. An adoption in the 60s, they didn't meet up. You never got to know. They were cut off, shut out. Absolute amazing, amazing, unbelievable miracle. She was trying for years to try and catch up and meet up with him, to try and find him. And then she had, she was on the edge of giving up. She had given pretty much tried every option, and then, <laughs> you'll hear about this again, she hears very strongly from the Lord. She heard the Lord, I think it was a three o'clock in the morning situation, it's usually how it is with her. She's a very powerful woman of God, she's amazing. Uh, her name's Beryl. Um, yeah, she was, I don't know what she was doing. But she heard the word of the Lord to call the hospital where, he was, where, she, where, he, where she gave birth one last time. She called up and she got a Christian lady on the other end of the line and somehow managed to find the file and put it together 
just, she'd been trying for years. And put them in contact. She wrote him a letter. And obviously they met up and everything. So, what was so important about the devil trying to keep her away from me so hard? Twice removed through two, to two different adoptions. So, absolute miracle that I got to meet this incredible lady who moves very powerfully in spiritual warfare, of all things. I nearly turned my mic off there. Um, she has an incredible healing and deliverance ministry. And the reason I went to YWAM Northland is she was the director at the time. So I got to spend my seven years at YWAM training under her in spiritual warfare. <laughs> and we actually found out that before her and before her father and going back, we had a long line of generational broken marriages, promiscuity, like all of that kind of stuff, like trying to, just generational curse, trying to break up the family and the relationships all the way along. And I'm proud to say that I've broken that curse. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very thankful for that woman. Um, so, actually, keep her in your prayers too. She had a stroke about a year ago, uh, and she can't speak anymore. Um, she's still perfectly there mentally. She writes things down, and it's great, and, you know, she gives you the look. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, she's, yeah. She's... I, I believe she's still praying for people. <laughs> we have no idea what she's saying, but the Spirit does. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Lord has been pressuring me lately, well, not pressuring me, asking me lately to pick up her ministry. So I have been working on that. And um, actually, half of last year, I've been working through that, and the Lord told me that this year is the year. So I'm going to start stepping into that. You'll see me start moving around, might even start sharing a bit, teaching. Uh, we'll see, see where it goes, what the Lord wants. But before my time at YWAM, born and raised in that Christian family, you know, the typical... Around five years old, gave my heart to the Lord because it was the right thing to do. But, you know, all through my life, never had that personal relationship with Jesus. You hear it with so many people over and over again. But me, I was trying to fill that hole of abandonment. You know, yes, when I was 17, I met up with my parents. And, you know, everything made sense. I still had that abandonment, and it was in me, and it hurt. So I was just trying to fill that hole with all sorts of other stuff, and because I didn't have the personal relationship with God, all sorts of bad stuff started happening. That's just one example. 
How'd you like your wheel to get ripped out at 110 kilometers an hour? <laughs> that really, looking back at that now, really challenges me to see the miracle. Because the night before, I cried out to God. I, didn't, I was very far from God. I cried out to God to say, if you're real, show me. Next day, on the motorway, in, in, outside, just outside of Auckland, 110, hit the barrier, the wheel ripped out, and somehow, you know, that's the driver's side wheel missing there, somehow, the car gently stayed straight, slowly slowed down, and just turned off to the left. How does that happen with the right wheel missing? Friction and everything should be pulling it the other way. It just gently... And the other thing, not a single car on the road. <laughs> so I dropped to my knees and I went, thank you, Lord. Not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why did you let this happen? <sighs> so dumb. That was an absolute miracle that I walked away from that. And that was the beginning of my turn, even further. See the miracle, people. <laughs> so that's where I went. That was my band. And this is where things start getting a bit rough. Because the band actually did quite well. It was a heavy metal band. A happy bunch, isn't it? <laughs> I look at that picture, I don't know what you guys see, but I see a scared little boy. And I don't know if you recognize it from the family photo at the start, but uh, that's my brother. <laughs> yeah, so. I went into the heavy metal industry, and we did really well. We were full-time musicians. Really well by the world standards, anyway. But we were so lost. And I was living the full rock star lifestyle, and everything that you can imagine goes with that, all of the drugs, and, you know. I don't want to glorify my past, but it's important to see what God has done, what God has pulled me out of. So this got very dark. I thought that God wasn't doing anything from me, you know. I born and raised in a Christian family in a Pentecostal church or evangelical, whatever you want to call it. With a dad that's done so much for the Lord, I knew God was real, but I felt like he wasn't doing anything in my life. So I took that route instead and thought, well, if the Lord's not doing anything, Maybe the other side will. That's a bit scary. So I sold my soul for fame and fortune and whatever else might come with it. I hate that. But it's the truth. 
You know, God redeemed me. He told me that you gave your heart to the Lord when you were five, buddy. Your soul was never yours to give away. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the next picture is. Oh, yeah. So I went away from, that's Christchurch, by the way, <clears throat> if anybody knows what that is. Yep. So I moved out of Auckland, where I was up until that point. I thought, you know, at this real dark spot in life, while I was, you know, in the band, I was like, I can't carry on like this. I'm going to die. Like, the drugs were just so much, and the lifestyle was just, I knew I had to get out or I wasn't going to live. So I took off to Christchurch just in time for this. <laughs> so picked up my building again. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's a building we were working on. And that's what happened to it. And I'm somewhere in there. I counted 26 people we got out of that that day. But every single one of these people here, except for the police officers, that's uh, my employees. <laughs> we were just digging people out. But again, see the miracle. I can't tell you how many times or reasons why I should be dead from that day. There was a scaffold that I had just climbed. And I was checking some things on the fourth floor. And I got down, I crossed, crossed the road and was walking about 50 meters up the road and then the earthquake hit. And that scaffold that I was on fell out across the road, hit the tram lines, electrified the whole thing. That's just one reason. And that was like two minutes, maybe three minutes before the quake that I got off that. There are a whole lot more, but I, I won't waste too much time on that. But I still didn't see the miracle. So then we're back to Nana. This is where it starts getting good. <laughs> so Nana... Nana B, we call her. Is anybody here praying for anybody, a family member, wanting to see a salvation? Do not lose hope. Do not give up. It took me 29 years for, for me to come back and actually take God seriously. So I was in Christchurch, Nana lives in Auckland, and she got a word of the Lord at about three o'clock in the morning again. And he said, go to Christchurch and pray for the grandchildren. Now the part I left out is that my dad, he remarried, and he had four more children. So in dad's family, I'm the oldest of five, and my adopted family, I'm the youngest of three, and my mum never had any more kids. So I'm the oldest, the youngest, and an only child, depending on which family I choose. <laughs> but Nana, yeah, go and pray for the grandchildren. Uh, the others all knew Nana. We all knew Nana. 
We knew that she was the, we called her the crazy nana. But she was doing all that. She was the missionary. She was going off to China and who knows elsewhere in the world, delivering Bibles and sharing Jesus with people. And she came down and we had a nice family dinner and everybody else ran. And I was stuck. I, I say stuck, but, you know, something was going on in my spirit, whether I knew it or not. I was hung over. My, <laughs> I left that part out. I was actually engaged to another woman. It's not Heidi. Um, yeah, that had just broken up. I'll tell you now, if you're in a bad relationship and you think maybe having a child or getting engaged or something like that's going to fix it. It's not. <laughs> so that, that mari uh, marriage, engagement had just broken up and life was starting to fall apart again. I had gone back to the drinking, the cigarettes. I was looking to get into the drugs again. And then God talked to Nana. And after dinner, she said, can I pray for you? And I said, well, I didn't say it, but I wanted to. <laughs> I don't want you to pray for me, but if I don't let you pray for me, I won't hear the end of it. <laughs> so I'll let you pray for me, and then I can get out of here and get back to whatever it is that I actually don't want to be doing, but think I want to be doing. And the second she put her hands on me, I was out. Well, not out, but like <laughs> under is a way of saying it, yeah. God basically put his foot down and was just like, that's enough. You are mine. I, I like to say that he like, grabbed me by the shirt, pulled me up, slapped me across the face and said, wake up. <laughs> it was, I've had more since. It was not a one-off thing. The most radical encounter with God's physical power and love. It was like electricity through my body. I couldn't stand up. I was laughing. I was crying. There was snot everywhere. It was a mess but it was glorious. About an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And instantly into tongues, word of knowledge for my brother, my half-brother for my dad. I know it's confusing, but he um, had recently been told that he couldn't, wouldn't be able to have children. And none of us knew except for my, I call her my stepmom, um, my birth dad's wife. <laughs> um, <coughs> She was the only one who knew. And somehow, you know, God dropped it into my brain, you will have children. And we let him know, and he got quite angry at my mum, at stepmom, because he thought that she had told me. But it wasn't, it was the Lord. Please pray for him. His name's Sam. He calls himself an atheist, which doesn't make sense anyway. Yeah. So three weeks later, I was at YWAM. I sold everything, 
given everything up, given away what I couldn't sell or chucked it. I went to YWAM with absolutely nothing but a backpack for my entire belongings. <laughs> and I never left, apart from the six months I came here after meeting Heidi. And in my seven years at YWAM, God has done the most amazing and miraculous things. I got to go to India, where I saw God move in the most amazing ways. I led a team of, there was eight of us, and <laughs> India's just on a whole other level. You'd think you'd go there and you'd be under such spiritual oppression from all the Hinduism everywhere, but I never felt more free in my life. <laughs> there was just God moving in the most powerful ways everywhere. Like, we knocked on some lady's door. This is just one that jumps into my mind right now. We knocked on some lady's door. And she was really nervous, didn't really want to talk to us. And then my hand started to hurt. And I was like, is somebody in your, is, I feel like it's either you or somebody in your household has a problem with their hand. She was like, actually, yes. My husband, a few, week, a few weeks or months ago, I can't remember, had injured his hand, and his hand was all deformed because the hospital system's not that great over there. You break bones, it heals weird because they can't reset it. And he was a laborer-type worker, and he's going around trying to find work with a deformed hand. How could I know that? <laughs> it has to be God. So I prayed. She got very, very hot. And then very, very cold. And she said, actually, I, have, I had a headache too when you came, but it's like half gone. I was like, that's, that's weird. Half? Hang on, let's pray again. Nothing else happened. And I was like, oh, God spoke to me. He says, they need, she needs to pray in my name. And it was, that became the theme of my whole rest of the trip in India is that they need to put Jesus in at the top. Because in India, they just add Jesus to the list of their gods. <laughs> as soon as we clicked on that and got them praying in Jesus' name, the re she prayed, the rest of the headache went away. I don't know what happened with her husband, but she was, he wasn't there at the time. She was very excited for him to come home. Um, sure he got healed but I didn't go back so, so I'll never know <laughs> so we saw some amazing miracles all over the world because of one Nana and she is quite a pillar in my life so if you are praying Nana or granddad or uncle or brother or Father, mother, what, whatever it may be, keep going. Don't lose hope. You will see the fruit. You will see the miracle. 29 years. I used to say 29 years wasted. I don't say that anymore. It's 29 years of God building a story of redemption. <laughs> and now, actually, I've... Another thing from the crazy encounter with God, it's flippant. I asked for a Bible. I'd, 
never really touched the Bible in my life. And I was getting the, getting the 2 Kings 10, verse 3, and I just kept saying it over and over and over. I had no idea what the, what the passage was. Dad went and got a Bible, pulled it out, and he's flicking through. He's not the best at knowing where everything is in the Bible. He was flicking through. He couldn't find it. So he pops it on the floor next to me, and I just went flip, flip there, and my finger was right on it. <laughs> it said, take the oldest, take the oldest, fittest, most wisest. Oh, no, not my wisest. Hang on. Let me quote this properly. I've got it right here. Select the best and fittest of your master's sons. Sit them on the father's throne and fight for your master's house. How's that? <laughs> that's, so I'm still fighting for my, for my master's house. And that's not just my family that I'm continually praying for. You know, I've, I'm picking up Nana's ministry. And even before I've picked it up, I've, I've been moving in it anyway. I just want to see people free. I've had a lot of ministry myself, you know, even after accepting Jesus, it wasn't that I had to, it's not, it's not just one of those, you know, have a cool and have a great encounter with God and then you're set free. Yes, you are saved, you are in a sense set free, but you still have to walk it out. You still have to get all of that baggage off you. You know, all that 29 years worth of junk that I was building up on my back that I had to get rid of. So if anyone's been encouraged from my testimony, I can't remember if there's another picture actually. Oh yeah, there's my baptism in the river at YWAM. <laughs> Sorry? Uh, Paparoa. Yeah, it's about an hour south of Whangarei. Yeah. So don't lose hope. And if anybody's been encouraged by any part of my story, or anything that's not part of my story, you just want prayer today, I'd be more than happy to pray for you. I love praying for people. I love people seeing seeing people set free, stepping into freedom. And like me, letting go of the person that you were trying to be on your own and stepping into the person that God originally intended you to be. That's what I want for everybody. Thank you.